This is Neil Erwitz with the Center for a New American Security. I'm here today with Alan Goldenberg, the director of our Middle East Security Program, to talk through Palestinian President Mahmoud Abbas's pending visit with uh, President Trump. Thanks, Alan. Oh, great to be here. So, um, what's your assessment so far? We're a little over 100 days in of Trump uh, on Israeli-Palestinian issues. Sure. Um, well, actually, you know, there was a lot of concern when Trump first came in that he would be completely revamping our approach, that we'd be moving the American embassy to Jerusalem, which could have caused a huge headache, that, that there would be signals about the Israelis' ability to pretty much pursue settlements wherever they wanted to, which would have been really problematic. But instead, what we've seen is a very conventional policy, uh, and one you know, very similar to both what Democrats and Republicans have pursued in the past. So, you know, he's tried to establish a good early relationship with Netanyahu. That's really important if you're going to make any progress on this. At the same time, he signaled we need to restrain settlements, and that's a problem, which is also a, a positive signal. Um, and now this meeting with Abbas in and of itself is a signal that he's serious about doing this. He keeps talking about uh, making the ultimate deal, he obviously cares a lot about this issue. He wants so, to li he likes to make deals, and this is yeah. the this is the creme de la creme of deals. No, absolutely. I mean, I sort of you know we sort of talk about this being like the diplomatic holy grail. I mean, I, I'll, <laughs> I'll tell you, I you know I remember being part of the negotiating team for Secretary Kerry in 2013 and 14, and one day working with a, with a senior colleague who had been doing this for 20 years and asking him. Why does anybody still care about this issue? Why is it so central? Why does it always end up in a press? And he said, because this is the diplomatic holy grail. They will always care about it, no matter what, even if bigger things are happening. And so I think it's the same allure that many American diplomats, Democrats, and Republicans, and presidents have had before him. So let's move from the very grand to the very short term. What do we expect from this meeting on Wednesday? Sure. Well, my biggest concern uh, is that precisely because the president wants to do the big deal and doesn't necessarily have the patience for the small, less sexy stuff, uh, that he goes in there and tries to restart negotiations between Israelis and Palestinians. Um, that would be, in my view, a mistake right now. Uh, first of all, uh, you have these two leaders who really don't like each other. And Abbas yeah. and Netanyahu. Yes, and Abbas and Netanyahu. Yes, not Trump in this case. This is Abbas and Netanyahu. They, they don't like each other. They don't trust each other. But that's okay. The bigger problem is they're both incredibly risk averse. They're just neither of them are the type of leaders that are going to really move their people to the promised land and lead, is so my to sense. speak. Exactly. They're not they're not Anwar Sadat or Yitzhak Rabin. These guys mm -hmm. who are willing to take the big risks and say, I'm gonna take us there because this is where we need to go. Or even Ariel Both of whom were assassinated, by the way. Yes. So they took the ultimate risk. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, but, you know, are, are seen as peacemakers, and always history will judge them in that mm -hmm. way. You know, so I, I just don't think that there is that opportunity right now with these two right now. And there's also this challenge where even getting a boss back to the negotiating table is a difficult thing to do. For, for the Palestinians, after 25 years of negotiations but no agreement while things keep getting worse on the ground. Uh, there's a political cost to even entering negotiations, which is a problem. I always say, you know, the Palestinians, they want an agreement, but they don't want to negotiate. The Israelis, and especially the right wing in Israel, uh, they want to negotiate, but they don't want an agreement. The negotiation gives the Israelis top cover internationally. It makes it easier for them to to say uh, they're serious, even while they don't make the deal and things continue. It's exactly the opposite for the Palestinians. And, and Abbas is facing some real internal problems right now. There's, they have a major hunger strike ongoing 
uh, in a uh, for Palestinian prisoners in Israeli jails being led by Marwan Barghouti, who's one of the competitors to succeed mm -hmm. Abbas and also is in jail for, you know, for basically supporting terrorist attacks during the Second Intifada. So in this dynamic, Trump might be able to get them back to the table. Uh, if he threatens both of them, that he's going to blame them, and they don't want a bad relationship with the United States, but he's not going to get them to move on the big issues. Yeah, that he'd basically, even if negotiations restarted, they'd basically just be set up for failure. Yes, exactly. So, given that failure is not what we want to have, what should uh, Trump be pushing instead? So, I would argue for a few different steps on the ground that could improve the situation. Uh, three things. One, a significant improvement for the Palestinians on the economic side. There's a number of steps here that, that have been uh, suggested many times before. Actually, probably the most meaningful one would be there's, you know, the, the West Bank is divided into three areas, areas A, B, and C. Israel controls 60% of it, even though it's only got about 5% of the population. This is called area C. Palestinians can't do anything on, in this area. They can't build. They can't. They can't do anything economically. If you were to take 2 to 3% of that territory and give it to the Palestinians and turn it into area A or B, you, you could be looking at 10, 15, 20% economic growth for the Palestinians year over year just wow. with that small percentage. It's, it's so very it's significant. Heavily populated areas, I take it? Uh, no, this, what the, the area C areas mm -hmm. in particular are not heavily populated. There's nobody there, but there are areas where there's economic development, that could, like major agriculture projects, major infrastructure projects, hmm. things that, that have been scoped and analyzed and can really happen there. And and the Obama administration, near the end, put all these ideas on the table with Netanyahu, who told them, I can't do this because of my coalition. Uh, but Trump, if you were to put the same ideas on the table and has a better relationship with Netanyahu and is also perceived more positively in Israel, uh, might be able to get the Israelis to move where Obama could not. Gotcha. And, and so that's a, a big one. Um, two others. One is for the Palestinians, where Trump should press Abbas, is on incitement. Basically, this is all the stuff in the Palestinian media and the press that, that supports the terrorism, the textbooks, the violence. There's been a lot of steps taken there that don't get acknowledged. For example, the Israelis now use official Palestinian Authority uh, textbooks in a lot of the Arab schools in hmm. Israel. Okay, and then still <laughs> criticize them. So you have to sort of sift through what's the noise and the reality. But there still are major problems. And when people come out and say things, bad things get said publicly, and then a boss doesn't say anything about it or sometimes even supports it, that's a huge problem. Mm -hmm. But even bigger would be supporting a major education initiative, something that, again, the Obama administration was working with the Palestinians on, but maybe the Israelis can really, and the U.S. can really get off the ground now, which would really be good for the Palestinians long-term broadly, but also is targeted at this incitement. Um, and a third thing would be settlements, where you should not try to negotiate something very detailed with the Israelis, which has been in the press, so that you can build here and you can't build there. Those, those things always become incredibly complicated, waste a lot of time. But you know, what Trump can do is just quietly press Netanyahu you know, to restrain himself. And that's like much more effective historically and has worked much better. So restraint and deterrence, and please like don't do anything. And if you do bad things, BB, or things that are problematic, then I'm going to come out and speak against them. And and that might work more effectively. Now, importantly, I'll just say one last thing about this: he, you should not try to get the Israelis and the Palestinians to say, okay, I'm going to do this, and you're going to do that, and negotiate between the two of them. I'll take forever, and might not work. What Trump can do is say, we're the United States of America. You want a good relationship with me. You want a good relationship with my administration. 
you unilaterally do these things to show me you're serious. You know, and that's how you'd work it with both sides. That's what they care more about right now, quite frankly, and that's where our leverage is. So these, this is where I would encourage them to go. Let me ask one last sure. uh, question, and to borrow a phrase from our defense colleagues, um, what are the chances we'll see a high-low mix? So mm. Trump will push them, try to push them back to the negotiating table, yeah. but the president will also focus on some of these uh, more short-term achievable steps that you've laid out. Um, I, I think that's a real possibility. Uh, and so that, that would make a lot of sense. And you've actually already seen, so interestingly, when you saw the, the, the budgets for 2000, for the next year's budget for the State Department, the massive cuts in aid that are being looked at, which I have a, a big problem with, mm -hmm. the Palestinians have a $5 billion boost in their yeah. initial. So, so that's a rarity. The only other countries getting boosts are places like Syria, Iraq, where have real counterterrorism priorities. And so uh, that seems to me a signal that at least somebody inside the administration was looking at that detail and saying the president cares about this. So you could definitely see that. I should actually just add one more thing uh, that worries me. Um, words matter a lot in this conflict. Things that get said publicly matter a lot in terms of the political cover. And so the other thing Trump's going to have to do if he's going to be successful uh, is be very disciplined in his public messaging. Stick to his bullet points. Exactly. And that's not something... So, you know, a few months ago he said, two-state solution, one-state solution. I could go for either one if it works for the parties. You know, on the one hand, that's fine. That's not actually a change in policy. If we could get the parties to agree... Then great. great. Yeah. Uh, but on the other, it caused this huge ruckus and big political problem. And if he does something like that with a boss standing next to him, he'll put a boss in an impossible situation. And people are looking for it. So he's really got to be disciplined and careful, stick to his points, and not, not sort of go rogue during his press conference. There's a lot to discuss. Thanks a lot, Alon. Sure.